0: oh my I have
1: enjoyed that yes boy be oh my I have enjoyed that yes boy be oh my I have enjoyed that yes boy be oh my I have enjoyed that <laughs> Me, oh my, I have enjoyed that yes boy Kyfano and thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of code with Kingi or in the sheds on code with Kingi where for this go-around I'm joined by a current Manawatu turbo and Auckland Blue in Ray. Now correct me if I'm saying this incorrectly bro. New? Yeah. Yeah. New-ya. All right. Yeah. New All right. Cool. Well, I'm I'm just I'm very mindful that I pronounce boys names right bro, but um like I just mentioned off here, very grateful for your time and how's life?
0: Nah, happy to be here bro. Um life in Manawa too is pretty crazy at the moment. It's better than being in Auckland, not mm-hmm. that I don't like Auckland, but and just feeling feeling the pain in Auckland right now. Uh lockdown down over six weeks now. So I'm uh, pretty grateful to be here. Yeah, and that's um, nah, pretty crazy. Eh? I'm happy that the boys are playing footy again.
1: Got it for the Auckland team, though. hopefully they're not too long away. Um, but as you mentioned, you're in Palmy. Your boys are humming at the moment. Good win yesterday. And I, ha- and I have to know, bro, like what was it like having Nagi come back into the group? He seems to, well, of course, he was going to affect the way that you guys played, but I don't know. You yeah. guys seem to just be on a different level.
0: Yeah, man. Um, yeah, Nuggie's a very experienced player. And um, he brings a lot of um, knowledge and energy to the team. But even before Nagi did come, we had something brewing, like something exciting. Mm. Um, the culture and the team, and I just felt different. I wasn't here last year, but some of the boys were just mentioning, like, just the culture and the team has really changed from last year. And I guess it's a good thing. And obviously, you can see the results in the park. And I'm a big believer in um like having a good culture really sets the platform for what, what you guys are gonna do on the park. And I think um the boys did that well in preseason. Yeah, and obviously when Nuggie came along and he really did speed up the game for the boys, <laughs> yeah. He just brings a lot of experience, energy, and excitement to the to the team, and which is um and good for the young players too that uh look up to all blacks like Nuggie and um and then for him to just bring his knowledge down and share with the the young boys and they haven't played with maybe, which uh, really excites the boys. So yeah, for him to inject um, his game into our team is um pretty grateful.
1: Nice um, bro. Yeah. You guys, you even had like the likes of Brett Cameron. You snapped him up this year. He's been a bit of a revelation at 10, like his goal kickings on and even the young skipper Braden, who I had the opportunity to talk to earlier this year, like he seems to have taken another step forward in the right direction for his career. I mean, like, Fuck that guy's got some toe for a for a loose forward, bro. Um But you like you yeah, said, man. obviously something's brewing up Palmy way.
0: Yeah, having BC here is um, unreal. Eh? He's he's um got an All Black under his under his belt, and for him to bring his experience from from Crusaders and Canterbury to to too, man, it's yeah. Uh You just I guess if you have like a good ten that runs the show, and also um one of our nines. That, um, that was playing before Nagi came, Logan, he he brings um, some good heat too. And like you mentioned, Braden, man, he's been um, running the cutter too, which is unreal, and he's been leading from the front. But people don't see what he does um, behind the scenes. Uh, he puts a lot of work in in his gym time and um, always the always the last to leave in um, the gym. And he just um, works – his work ethic is unreal. Eh? So now nah, I can see, definitely see the results on the field and um, – He's definitely leading from the front. He's he's a good person too, eh? So good good person to get along with and just off field, he's just generally just the G C E.
1: Yeah. Great way to sum it up, bro. You mentioned Logan Henry as well. He's a good Wellington boy. Locked on with, with him a couple of times at club footy down here. So it's cool to see him finally get a crack because he was a fella who was chipping away here in Wellington and probably didn't get the opportunities that he deserved. And like like or two is just reaping the rewards from snapping him up, bro. But you know, for someone like yourself who's been around the rugby scene a little while, you know, you're yeah. a harbour boy initially, you spent a bit of time in Tasman as well. What made you shift the yeah. army?
0: Um, for me, it's like right now, for me, it's um back then I was chasing a dream. And when I did achieve that, it was, you know, good and all. And then when I had a family, my family come, come along, it, it sort of changed up for me. And it was time to look after my family and not myself and what I wanted and, when I finished up at Tasman, because I did sign Tasman for three years, um, got to play one season for them, and then um, World Cup popped up, and then I missed the season again, and then I got injured last year, and then I missed another season for Tasman. Um, I was signed to no one because I was injured, and then, um, so me and my agent were scoping around and to see, you know, who could provide for my family. And um, yeah, uh, Turbos, I was grateful for Turbos to give me a kind offer, and um, yeah, that's why I'm down here, man. Pretty much looking after my family now, so just taking every opportunity I can get while bro. I can still play rugby, yeah.
1: Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about the turbos, bro, like we just mentioned Brandon before, bro, and he said that when he was hit, he was having his own injury struggles, like I think he was out for like a good year on the sidelines, and they stuck by him the mm-hmm. whole way, you yeah, know, which a lot of unions don't do, bro, because like I think like you'll know, bro, it's, it's, it's a business at the end of the day, like the professional footy thing, yeah. but Um, It seems like you found a place for yourself uh, in Manawatu. And, you know, once that nose gets sorted, um, we'll see you back on the field, bro. But as I mentioned, you're a shore boy initially. So why don't you take us back to your time there and talk about how you even got into playing footy?
0: Well, I was a bit offended when you say I'm a shore boy (laughs) because I'm actually from Auckland West. And I grew up out of uh, West Auckland. I went to Massey High School. And um, I played all my footy out west and when I come out of high school, I played for Massey Messi High School and also come out of high school and played for Massey Rugby Club. So all my footy's been played out west. And then, because um, Massey is um, is pretty much the last club that cuts off for North Harbour. So we're, we play in the Harbour Comp.
1: Ah, right. My um, confusion, yeah, even My though, confusion. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, nah, it's all good. Yeah. Um, so we, so I played in the harbour comp, and then um, I think coming out of high school, there was a lot of uh, massive rugby players that uh, made the harbour team and who I sort of looked up to, which are the PC boys, the Tutelake boys. And, yeah, just had a passion for rugby when I hit, like, seventh form because I only played rugby because my mates did, my cousin did in high school and, and also my brother. So I just wanted to play for North Harbour. And it took, it was a grind after school. I didn't crack it straight out of school like some players. I did two years in academy for North Harbour. And then um, I I guess my third year, if you don't crack on after two years in academy, you sort of just um, play club footy. And then, you know, if you do get named in the water squad, you you go to trainings. And after my two years of academy, yeah, injuries were kind of holding me back too. And... Um, I debuted for North Harbour in 2013, which I'm pretty grateful for. Yeah, and that was a dream come true. I um, played with the likes of um, Nafi Tuitavake, which he was one of um, my good mates. And he was a little bit older than me in school. But um, yeah, debuted for North Harbour in 2013. And then um, I played well, I guess, over that year. And then I was lucky enough to sign another three years with them, So. Was lucky enough to to win a championship with them in 2016, but um, I did get a really bad injury that year. I think I like partially tore my ACL um, in preseason 2016, so I missed like most of the season. And then was lucky enough to play in the semi final that year. And then yeah, um, we, uh, we won that year. And then at the end of that year, I did my ACL, my my first ACL injury. Which was tough, man, and then missed pretty much missed out of 2017, and then she was all go from there. Didn't play footy for the whole of 2017, and then 2018. North Harbour didn't re-sign me, and then I looked to look elsewhere. Tasman popped up. Wasn't a, a, a what is it? They didn't sign me down in Tasman, but they said that there was an opportunity down there, so I decided to make a move down
1: there and then yeah the rest was history man yeah there seems to be I I know quite a few boys that get that sort of opportunity right like the the union sort of gives them an indication that there's a spot in the teams and that they have to come and play club footy bro but before we roll into like we went from there and like how you overcame your injuries bro like you mentioned the fact that you didn't take rugby seriously until your last year of school so like what, what were you up to all through high school and even like did you play club rugby as a kid like what was your go
0: no, nah, I didn't start playing till I was thirteen, or well, uh, I think it was a year eight. There was like a rugby tournament they did back then. We was like played it of Mills? bare feet. Uh Bill McLaren.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. Yeah, that yeah, one year. yeah, yeah. But it
0: wasn't a. Um, I played in the school comp, and it was like not even. I don't know. It wasn't like, wasn't hard out. It was just like you know, bare feet. (laughs) I played halfback, Um, (laughs) and um, I guess I, I think I played well because then I got picked up for Bill McLaren trials, and that's when it all started from there. Um, Mm. And oh yeah, I played for North Harbour Bill McLaren. That was my first North Harbour jersey. So yeah, that was that was pretty interesting. Eh, thinking back now. That kind of set the um, the scene off for of me, but I didn't start off in the forwards. I, I was actually a backer, so I was playing like I was playing like 13, 12, and fifteen back then.
1: So, what so what prompted the shift to the forwards then? What did, was it? Because you weren't passing the oh, ball or what?
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah probably that. <laughs> um,
0: I don't. Oh, yes, I do actually know. And fifth form. Um school holidays, I put on a lot of weight. <laughs> and um I decided to trial for the first 15. And um it's funny because there was a new coach for the first 15 and he was asking me, was like, what position do you play? And I was like, fullback. And he's like, nah, mate, you're not playing fullback. You're, you're, you're gonna play hooker. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah, my debut hooker was fifth form. And um yeah, I had a had a really good i i guess i got stuck into training and i really i was really enjoying my footy that time especially playing with my friends in high school and then I um, was lucky enough to get picked up my first year hooker was lucky enough to make um New Zealand 17s that year oh wow pretty yeah. yeah bro <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why because i couldn't throw the ball in properly because i was like man how do you, how do you do this job
1: <laughs> 100 bro. it's an undervalued skill all right, so you you shift to the Fords in year 11 courtesy to see if some yeah. some extra eating at dinner time yeah and yeah. then how, how did the rip footy play out for you for the rest of your time at Massey like did you we did you make like the blues 18s or anything like that? were you in the look for schools yeah back into the year
0: yeah I didn't make New Zealand schools but I did make the uh, the blues 18s. yeah I think that was the first year they've ever started that one and there were some pretty big names um, that played in that competition um. For the for the Hurricanes and uh, Chiefs, likes of Sam King, uh, Cody Taylor was playing for Wangton. This was when um, Cody was a uh, fielding high school still, and he played for the Hurricanes. So uh, there was heaps of um, big names that that come out of that year. And yeah, like look look back now, man, from where we all started, it was pretty crazy because yeah? we all were playing against each other, eighteen year olds just chucking the ball around was yeah pretty buzzing, man.
1: All right, and then you mentioned the fact that when you left school, you're in the academy and it took you a little longer than what, like, a lot of young bucks these days. They sort of go straight from school rugby, straight into those yeah. professional environments. It's was a bit different back in your time. So what was your plan, yeah. like, when you'd left school? Like, was rugby even front of mind for you?
0: Yeah, man. So when I left school and I was in the academy, like, I think the first year I didn't work and I was just training hard out. And then, like, after the first year, I just felt like I needed something else to get my mind off footy. So I started working. Um, Massey Rugby Club is sponsored by Magnum Filters. They make filters for pools and spas. And so I decided to go there and work. So I was working and training at the same time. But that's when the real mahi started because I had to get up to <laughs> I had to get up to, to academy and then go work. And then after work I had to get back to, to training. So but i did some pretty big hours back
1: then eh? yeah bro like the, some of the hustle that i've heard some of the boys that i've interviewed go through bro like especially like the like sort of similar to yours bro is like the, the labor jobs like where you're on your feet yeah. all day and then like yeah. you're going to training and then especially at that yeah. time because i guess that's probably the thing that people often overlook like in terms of in the rugby circles is that so you're obviously like a young whippersnapper trying to chase like the top harbor side yeah. But the guy that's in your position is training full time, bro. So Yeah, that's you
0: know, it. yeah.
1: The, 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 the odds are sort of against you unless like you're like a, you know, not to take anything away from you, bro. Like you're like a crazy guy from school who they're yeah. wanting to push. So bro, that's
0: that's it. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. So so what what so it's, what was that like what was that time period like for you? Like and so you mentioned the fact that you made your debut in 2013. So what culminated in you ultimately getting that opportunity? And like I think you mentioned you had a couple of injuries that maybe delayed some stuff for you so do you want to take us through that
0: yeah um it was pretty like like mentally frustrating um back then you just want everything to happen like then and now but um like you mentioned there was players that that were doing training full-time and the young guy coming in and also I was a front row and coaches don't really back then it was like like, if you're young and you're front row, they don't see you develop until you're, like, 21, 22, mm. um, until you experience. And And uh, I totally agree with them. Like, being in the front row, man, you got to have, like, some sort of experience. You can't just get chucked in the deep end, come in and not know, like, the little tricks of a scrum or um, even, like, throwing a line out at a stage of the game where you need to get it straight or you need to hit your target and man, as a young gun, like that is a lot of pressure on you. And I guess um, over the years, I was doing academy and um, I've learned that. Um, I've learned that um, over the years and also just learning off the big dogs coming in and training, you know, because they, when you do finish work, you go to train with the MIT 10 team or like some of them. And um, just learning off those guys um, really taught me like, like there is, there is a point where you got to, be prepared to play an actual might of 10 game because it's so different. Like you watch it on TV and it looks, you think it's easy, but there's actually mm. a lot of pressure when it does come down to crunch time. So, yeah, I, like back then I wanted to happen straight away, but at the same time, I'm pretty grateful that um, I did, you know, it did take a while because I learned a lot of, um, you know, like James Parsons that was there and Manu that was there too. They were just giving me little tips and helping me um, build my game. And when I did get the opportunity, um, I was ready, you know? So, yeah, I guess for forwards or front row, I guess you could sort of have to some have some sort of um, experience going into the game. But for backs, I guess if you're like Razlier like when Rico got signed straight out of school and, you know, he was pretty talented. And for back, I guess you can be quick and fast and be like fit. And crack it real early, you know? I don't know. I don't want to take that away from some players, but I guess for a back, it's easy to crack it early because it's not much, you know, experience. You don't need that much experience to, you know, gas someone, I
1: guess. (laughs) Bro, a hundred, bro. Like, it's crack up. Like I remember having these sorts of chats with my boys at my club here, Wainui down in Wellington. And because we had quite a young front row this year. And yeah. you talk about like line out time and like even guys who are having to scrum against, you know, even though these guys are only club players, some of the old club players, bro, like they know the dark arts, you know, it just comes with mm. playing and That's putting true. in those reps. And I think like, yeah. I think from, again, like I mentioned off here, with me being a rugby junkie, bro, like the, all the stuff that I've read from like Mike Cron and like Jason Ryan, like all like the who's who front row coaches, they talk yeah. about front rowers not coming into their own towards their late 20s, bro. Like, they're the last bro, of the rugby help. players to actually hit their peak. So, like you said, it must it must be like a weird space to be in as a young gun in the front row, sort of knowing that, you know, when you leave school, 18, 19, you know, even though you're on these rep teams, you're still, like, another, like, 10 years away from being the best yeah. you can be. But that
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, eh? Like, us front rows don't really reach our prime to where, like, late 20s early 30s um it's crazy because usually your body starts breaking down as a front row around that age if you don't look after it properly so yeah man it takes a lot of experience um to be in the uh, front row and there's like heaps of little tricks around the scrum that we learn and but even just throwing the ball like bro that takes a lot of skill and time you got to put a lot of time into it because throwing the ball is not easy eh? especially like when it comes down to crunch time in the game and that's the throw that matters for hundred. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. You mm-hmm. got to have the the patience and also um, just that Um, I, I, I like uh, watch a lot of like Kobe or like Steph Curry videos, how they talk about their shot, like the last shot matters and mm-hmm. um, just their process and what they go through. And it's pretty crazy. Eh? I know it's a different level, but um, I just sort of just pick their brains off how they go through their process and, and just, yeah. Cause um, I, that's the one skill that I found hard learning over the years. It's like, cause I taught sort of like taught myself to just find my comfortable throwing spot and um, I've changed my throw stance and my, the way I hold the ball so many times and I finally found what works for me. So it's good, good getting advice from other throwers, but also like you just got to go with, what you feel comfortable with because then yeah if you try and do what someone else is doing it's like yeah it's pretty hard to explain but just got to do what's best for you eh, and what you feel is best
1: yeah bro i i can i totally get there bro like i equate throwing a line out to goal kicking like you like you say for example like your time's up on the clock you need to try to win you kick the ball out Bro, all the pressures on the hooker, bro. And, yeah, the, the fun, yeah. and even though I've never played front row, um, but I, I had a soft spot for my hooker this year because he was one of our younger boys and he yeah. botched one of our throws and we went on to lose the game. And I remember like going up to him like, and I was like, you know, I pat him on the back and you know, bro, like these things happen, you know, like that could have easily been like one of us dropping the ball, yada, yada, yada. But yeah. the other thing about a hooker, bro, is that like, it could, it might not even be your fault, bro. Like it could be the jumper's yeah. fault, but it looks like That's the hooker's, it yeah yeah bro there's the sacrificial <laughs> lamb bro like yeah so I, yeah. I i do i i have a lot of respect for the boys because it's real easy for like me being the back on it like, yeah line out line out line out and then me kicking yeah, it out yeah. but then i'm putting all the responsibility on the guy that has to throw <laughs> the ball and who you know and especially for front rows bro they're the guys sticking their heads in dark places the whole game yeah. getting beaten up bro so yeah like even though i'm a back yeah. man i'm I totally understand what you what you big boppers do for us over the course of the game, in quick but yeah, man, appreciate um, that. Getting back to more of your story, so you make your debut against counties, if I am right, and yeah. you go on. You said that like you were ready for it. You obviously had all the prep from the old fellas like James Parsons, and you represented them from twenty thirteen to twenty sixteen. Uh, yeah, like you said like ending with that winning of a championship, but you mentioned the fact that you picked up a knee injury, a pretty bad one, in your final yeah. year. So. Talk us through that. Um,
0: it was the en- it was the end of the year, um, so it was 2016, and I was playing sevens. Um, I was playing sevens with my club.
1: What <laughs> right, yeah, role playing sevens? They- okay.
0: <laughs> no, I-, I did it for the fitness aid. So, jam um, sevens with my uh, mafia boys, and been- I didn't. I was enjoying it too. Like every year, every like. November, December, I was enjoying my sevens time and it was getting me fit and stuff. And yeah, just that one game I played at sevens, um, it was a Glenfield competition. Um, and we always seemed to like make this the finals or either take it out make the finals or something, because we were pretty good back then. And then, yeah, that one game against Silverdale, man, I just got tackled the wrong way and and blew my knee out. I, I didn't know it was that bad until I did got got a scan and then, yeah, Got told it was my ACL. So it was my first ever major injury. So, yeah, it took a while, man. It took, obviously, it took nine months to come back from it. But just the process of, like, because I wasn't signed again for North Harbour, So mm. I had no job for the following season. So I had to go and um, find a job. And I thought that was a good time for me to, to sort of look back and, sit back and just think like what am I going to do after rugby you know because you never know when you're going to get your, your your rugby career is going to finish so um, I thought of picking up building. so I went and started a building a course but it's funny because I did my injury in November um, I think it was and then I didn't get my my surgery till like ne- the, the next year in March so by the time I did get my surgery like I was fully running I was fully back running on my on my leg, which is pretty buzzy, eh? mm. so I come I come out of that um, surgery, and usually the surgeon tells you to get try and get all your your flex, flexibility back in your knee, which I was pretty much running back running back um, when I got my surgery. So when I come out of surgery, it was a easy, not an easy rehab, but it was definitely easier than my the latest one I did. But yeah, that that was a grind, man, because I took a year off rugby that year. I got married yeah, it was just, I guess, for me to sort of just sit back and focus on life after rugby, and then I did a building course and then I didn't know what I was doing with rugby. I sort of just, like, left it. I was just like, oh, what? I didn't think about rugby. I didn't think I was going to play again. And then this this agent called me. It was funny because he picked me up when I was injured. I don't don't know why. I don't know how my name popped up on his radar, but he gave me a call and He was just like, oh, they're pretty keen to help you get back on the paddock. And I was like, out of shape. I wasn't thinking about playing rugby that time. And he sort of just like threw me a lifeline, eh? And um, that year, the the end of that 2017 year, he just said, oh, there's an opportunity down in Tasman. And I was like, never never in my lifetime I thought I would ever go down to Tasman, eh? Because I thought they were hissing and I was like, man, I, I can't make Tasman. Like, those guys are way too good. Anyways, um, um, during that year, we, we were blessed enough to have our, our first, first baby. And he was born in December the 5th. And then 2000, early 2018, um, baby was only two months. And then that opportunity to get out in Tasman popped up. And that was like massive for my wife to make a call on that because baby was two months. They weren't going to come down. And then the club for down in Tasman. Well, because I, I moved to Picton, not down in Nelson. I moved to Picton and there was a club there that were willing to pay for, for me to come down. So I drove from Auckland all the way to Picton. So I drove from Auckland to Wellington, ferried across to Picton. And then that's where my journey started for for, for Tasman. Oh, so man. yeah, there was a lot of sacrifice, man. There, the sacrifice um, Leaving my family back at home, baby was two months. I were, honestly, I was the heaviest. I was like one thirty clicks, bro. I was going down really unfit, and um, just the amount of sacrifice I had to put in, yeah, it was unreal. Oh, thinking back, man, it was such a big struggle for me to go down unfit, and then also I was working down there too. So mm-hmm. I was doing. I got they gave me a spot in the in the academy for Tasman. So I was building down there, and also I was training. So I'll do the same what I did in Auckland, which was train in the morning, go do building, and then I'll go train again in Blenheim. So work in Picton, drive to 20 minutes and to Blenheim, train, and then drive back home. And I was staying with um one of the other uh, coaches for the Picton club there, um, Tonga. His name is Tonga. So I play for, yeah, the Picton club, Waitawi. Yeah, and then it just popped off. Then man, did the preseason, and then got an opportunity for Tasman.
1: Bro, holy! So like, what within the space of like what a couple of months? Like you go from being set on just becoming a chippy, get this buzzy yeah. agent calling from out of the blue, and then you yeah. make this life changing move to step away from your well, not not step away, but to move away from your family to keep yeah. that footy dream alive. Like see, see, this is the yeah. cool stuff. This is what I love about talking to boys like you, bro. Who eventually have got to, you know, play super footy. But this is the stuff that just doesn't get shown on telly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. those sorts of sacrifices yeah, yeah. and like even coming off the back of an injury. And like before, and before we crack on to like playing Tasman and like how that really sort of started to put you on the map because you know you got your international cap after that, bro. Like, are you somewhat grateful that um, you went through such a devastating injury earlier in your career? in contrast to perhaps going through it later?
0: Oh, I don't... Yeah, I I just look at it like, you can get injured any time, man, like at training and a game. So I sort of just like place myself on the then and the now. And if injury comes, man, you sort of just like have to suck it up because you got to consider that it does come with the sport. And And I am pretty grateful that injuries happen like, you know, early on sort of just shape um my attitude around my injuries and how to take it on and not to just dwell on it but um yeah I've learned over the years like every injury you get man you just got to take the opportunity to in your rehab time to get stronger mentally and physically that's just another opportunity for you to get better that's how I look at it really like some players go through some hectic injuries man and I'm only like a small percent of those players, and I know there's players out there that's got, that's got it worse, but everyone goes through their past. But for myself, man, I just think like every injury I get, I just in my rehab time, I just try and make myself mentally stronger physically and also take the little things away from my rehab time because there is a player in my sh- like they're going to be in my shoe. And I can share my story to him, and also just help him through his rehab. So that's just the way I look at it now. And back then I didn't, but um, over the years of my injuries, man, I just, I just think like, what can I leave behind when I finish rugby, man? Is, is it to leave a name for myself or help the players that are coming through? And for me, man, it's just share my story. That's why I just decided to jump on here because share my story and what I went through can really help those um, that are you know, in the same path as me. So, yeah, man, I just look at it like, you know, any injury that comes along, I'm not like wishing any injury upon myself, but, you know, when I do get injured, I just use that time to strengthen myself mentally and also spending more time with my kids is unreal. But yeah, just that time of doing my rehab is, you know, I can pick little things out of that and just help other players that are coming through and that are going through the same thing. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, bro, it's a great way to look at it. Yeah. And again, like grateful for the opportunity to talk to you, bro. Um, this is already yeah. a hissing story, but back to, again, back to your story. So 2018, you're commuting, academy, working, go back from working all day, you know, like on your feet to then having to train again with the academy boys. Um, yeah. But you, at the back end of the year, you get picked up and you're playing with Tasman. Yeah. And like, why, why did it click for you? Because it seems that's where things in terms of your professional career really started to kick yeah. off.
0: Yeah, like during that year, man, I had um, I had a real, like there was a few things that happened. Uh, I had another big concussion during that year. Um, It was a, during the final, a club final, and um, I got really a uh, really bad concussion and that ruled me out for about six to eight weeks, I think. And I thought I had blew my chances with Tasman because they really wanted to see me play. But I think I had done enough during club that um, they were still interested, and um, they're just telling me just to take my time to come back. And um, anyways, that when I did come back, um, I felt sick, like a really bad sore stomach one night, and then went to the hospital. And then, yeah, man, I was lucky enough to go to hospital because my appendix was about to burst, so I had that taken out. And then I was out for another three, four weeks. And um, and I was just grateful for Leon McDonald to actually consider like keeping me on the squad. After all those, you know, those those weeks off, and I guess he saw, you know, something I bring to the game, and he was pretty, you know, he, he saw something that, the way I played, and he liked. So, yeah, all of that happened that year. And um, when I did this, I know got right after the appendix thing. I was lucky enough to get picked to play in the trial game for Tasman. I, I think it was a Tasman and Manawatu. Yeah. Uh it was Tasman Mano 2 preseason game. And I was, you know, did all my rehab and got fit and then got selected to play in that that preseason game, which I think pretty much told the coaches that yeah, they were they're ready to pick me. So I got signed after that after that preseason game.
1: and yeah. what was that like having gone through or that you gone through to like sign pen and paper?
0: Oh, actually um was on the phone to my wife and I told her. And, yeah, we both, like, bursted into tears because just the amount of sacrifice that we both made um, really paid off. And um, you think about me coming down to from Auckland to Tasman, 130 clicks, and then I got down to 114, you know? Like, really, there was a lot of hard work that went into it, and I'm just grateful that, you know, our coach saw that sacrifice and, and the hard work that I put in paid off. So, yeah, man, it was just a relief, eh? Sort of just told myself like, man, I do still have it in me. So yeah, just that, all that hard work, that pay off,
1: man. And then from there, bro, things got a little bit better for you. You picked up mm. for some more to go on their tour in North yeah. America. Now, like, had you even like paid representing your motherland any mind over the course of your career? Like, had yeah. you been in touch with the coaches? Nah,
0: nah, because the coaches change like every two years. <laughs> So,
1: sure,
0: sure. so I, didn't, I didn't really know um, any of the coaches at the time, but the coach that I did coach that year happened to be my North Harbour coach. Mm. So, yeah, I was lucky enough to, to, um, to get picked up from that. But also playing a full season on my team really helped. You know, you don't just get picked because you know someone. You've got to be playing some good footy. And, um, yeah, I was pretty grateful for the Tasman boys helping me out around that area going under the likes of um, Andrew Makalil, just learning you new know, things off him because he, he had a good experience from the Crusaders and just picking his brains and rubbing shoulders with Tara Lomax too, his experience there, um, Shannon Frizzell and uh, David Harvili, there's, you know, there's big players there and just learning off those guys really helped my game and um, you know, the culture down in Tasman, man, is unreal. Eh? So for me to go into the environment and sort of just, I don't know, be myself, and um, play my game, and then also adding stuff into my toolbox, which is um, Unreal, and getting coached from um, Leo McDonald, Ed, Andrew Goodman, Clark Dermody, You know, those are top class coaches, man, and they just they really help help my game out. So, yeah, when I got picked for Manusamo, end of the year, far man, it was just like I was grateful, man. You know, play for my country and make my parents proud. So yeah, that kind of happened, and then yeah, man.
1: So you go on the tour with Samoa. You make yeah. your debut against America. Like, was that experience, like, running onto the field? Or like, how did it differ from playing for Tasman or playing for North Harbour or playing Blues 18s? And where does that yeah. moment even rank for you over the course of your career so far?
0: Yeah, it was pretty special, man. You know, you're representing... You're not only representing yourself or your family, but your country, man, back at home, you know? Small country. And, you know, when we do play, like, you know, it's almost like the whole island is watching you. And um, people, our people are proud, man. And for me to represent my, is- my, my island back at, in Samoa and my dad's island, my mom's island, um, makes my parents proud. And just to be singing the national anthem for my country, second to none, man, like, yeah, that was one of my like, biggest highlights in my career. But also, like, playing alongside, like, players you looked up to back in high school, like Tusi Pisi. Man, I was a baby when he was playing first 15 at Messi High School and like, yeah, man, it was unreal. And to some of the North Harbour players that I looked up to back then was like um, Filo, Polo, Manu, Reitawa, um Tusi Pisi. Like playing alongside those guys on my debut for Samoa, man, it's just yeah, I was just yeah, a dream come true for, for a young kid coming out of West Auckland, eh? Um, but, like, just talking to my dad and what it means to him, I think that's what, yeah, that's what um, ticked it off, man. It was just him crying on the phone. It was just, like, him saying he's proud. And just all the, the hard work he sort of put on me sort of paid off for him too, you know? Mm. So, yeah, I think it's just giving back to my to my parents and putting my my family on the map which is pretty cool man you know
1: yeah. can't explain it like <laughs> <laughs> I, I i obviously can't relate to that bro but yeah i can i can see by the way that you're smiling and stuff like that that it obviously meant a lot to you at the time and still does now so you were samoa you finish up at the end of that year and you end up with the landers in 2019 or you're, you're training with them or you're down south so did that come yeah. off the back of a strong Tasman season, like links with like Clark Dermody, and stuff like that? Or was that off the back of your yeah. pick with Samoa?
0: Nah, so yeah, it would have been off um, the back of Tasman. Um, Cause I was talking to them before I went to Samoa and yeah, they would have, um, Clark would have, Derms would have helped out heaps with that. Cause obviously he was at the Landers at the time too. And um, he did consider my name to the coaches. So but I was pretty grateful. Like I, yeah, I didn't think that that was going to happen, to be honest. And when they did the opportunity to come up, I was um, yeah, I was definitely going to go for it. But there was a um opportunity to go to um, do a preseason with the Crusaders, that came up, and then uh, also the landers for the contract, not a preseason. And at the time, I was like, well, I have a with the Crusaders the whole preseason gig, so I took the opportunity down and um. And at the Landers, which I'm pretty grateful for, yeah that, that, that was a pretty
1: cool experience and it set up an even bigger experience later in that year going to a Rugby World Cup, bro so within the space of a year like we just mentioned, you had some troubles with yeah. your appendix and with your head, with, with Tasman before cracking it, and then what, like a year later, you're over in Tokyo with the boys, yeah. playing on the bigger stage Yeah, year later
0: yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, man. That's
0: crazy. eh? Still one of my favorite stories to tell, man. Like um that year, man, like when I was 130 clicks, I'd never thought that I was gonna ever gonna play in the World Cup I eh? always dreamt about it. But um yeah, to just go from that to the world, the biggest world um rugby stage was unreal, man. Like I was in when I when I did go to Japan, I was sitting back and I was thinking like, Man, what a year it's been, man! And just sitting there reaping the reward, eh? like you can't take hard work away from from you, man. And when you do put in their hard work, people don't see it. I mean, you know. And I guess the timing, timing of everything, like, happened so fast. And I'm I'm just a big believer in um, God's plan that He has for you is is perfect. So I'm just pretty grateful for God opening up the doors for me
1: bro, and so what you're playing? Okay, some of the best teams in the world over in Japan, almost like living up the lifestyle over there. Um, I know it was a bit of a weird yeah. one. Don't they had like a they had like a hurricane or something like midway through it, so the All Blacks didn't even play all of their games, bro. But what did you take out of your time over there? And is it a place that you consider going to to play footy sometime in the future?
0: Bro, Japan's such a nice place. eh? Like, um, I did hit up my agent about Japan, but it's I think they only take like um non. International players, um, just because they want to grow their Japan team. I don't know, I don't know, but I would love to go back to Japan. It was such a beautiful country, um, nice people, so sufficient, everything they do, so clean. The food is unreal, bro. It's yeah, man, I would, I would consider going back just so it's a yeah,
1: it's a mean place. Hey, eh? I definitely get over there for a holiday. Like all the stories I've heard from some of the boys who went over on like the Sun trips and even some whanau who have gone over there for just holidays pre-covid they just said yeah it's such a such a unique place because it's there's like so much going on like especially in a place like tokyo but apparently like if you go to the outskirts like on the trains and stuff apparently yeah like some of the scenery is yeah like you said unreal yeah so yeah maybe an opportunity um further down the line we'll see but you come back from japan you know like we said like a surreal year for you like reflecting on it and then at what stage had you organised your gig with the Blues? So did you organise that pre-World Cup or after it?
0: It was buzzier because um, usually they do re-signings around March, early March. So they start signing players again around that, that time. And the week I got picked to debut for the Landers, um, Leon McDonald called me. And, and my debut was against the Blues. So timing of the man called me. Um, the week we're playing them and then um he, he just asked me if I was keen to come back home. But I was like, Yeah man, I was definitely, you know, the blues is always a team that I've always wanted to play for. Because um, you yeah, know, it's, it's home, you know. But um it was buzzing, man. He called me the week that we were playing the blues and also the week I got picked to play. Um <laughs> But it's crazy, yeah. I don't know if he planned that, so I can tell me to go easy on them. Or, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, nah, man. When that opportunity arose, I did consider, um, like I talked to Derrims, because I was pretty grateful for him helping me out with the landers. I did ask him if if they were wanting to re-sign me for next year, but I think they already had re-signed this young kid for next year so that made my option a lot easier to just yeah go back home and um you know sign a two-year gig with um the blues so yeah that happened even before world cup so i was um happy i had something um secure after world cup coming back home
1: oh uh, bro like this uh, i guess again like not to keep reiterating the whole year thing but again like yeah 130 clicks Tasma, yeah. Landers, World Cup, and then like you get to come home and you're guaranteed like Super Rugby for the next two years. Like yeah, yeah. it's crazy, crazy. Like you said, all the hard work that you put in that you would have never. I guess you obviously envisioned yourself cracking it, but to the extent yeah. that it sort of flowed on for you, bro. Again, it's just a a reward for all the sacrifices that you made. Um, making that shift down to Picton of all places. But okay, so World Cup back with the Blues. You do your preseason there. Then round one, you're playing against the Chiefs. You come off the bench. Talk us through it, bro. I know what what happened, but yeah, like, (laughs) if you don't mind, can you recall, like, what happened and what flowed on from there? Um,
0: Yeah. Obviously, a special occasion. Um, Debuting for a a team that I've always dreamed to play for. And then, um, bro, it would have been, like, 30 seconds on a clock. And... um, I just went over to secure a ruck and at the same time um offa comes flying in and um he managed to clip my knee at the same time so yeah that was that (laughs) acl gone especially with that guy flying in far that guy flies in with everything
1: and he is one solid eh?
0: guy bro solely that guy
1: man (laughs) Did you know it at the time? Did you know that, like, once you, like, went knew, down, you're like, ah, oh, my knee. Did you know it was your ACL, considering what you've gone
0: through? I didn't know it was my ACL, but I knew it was something bad, eh? Yeah, it was pretty sore. I couldn't even walk off the field. Mm. So when that happened, bro, holy heck, that was very, very painful. I couldn't yeah. even stand on it or, like, bend my knee. Yeah, man, that was... I, I went into, like, like, after everything that happened, um, I thought it was, you know, all going to happen that year. Like, you know, playing for the Blues and that, thought I was going to get um, a few games in. But, yeah, after that injury, I just went into, like, a really dark place. Um, yeah, I just, yeah. Oh, I was, like, I know I had um, all those injuries um, over the years, but, like, to see all sort of my preseason or hard work go to waste,
1: yeah, you
0: know, mm. sort of hurts a bit and um do you want me to talk about my
1: rehab or? yeah yeah bro like um i'm sorry like it's it's sort of an awkward one for me as a host because i could obviously see that it was not the nicest patch for you to yeah. um you know like talk about because it was such a rough time but yeah if you don't mind talking about like what you went through yeah. with your rehab and how you bounced back from it
0: um so i've got my My surgery, so it happened in Feb, but then I had my surgery in March because the surgeon just wanted me to get a bit of um, flexibility in my leg again because I wasn't bending. So he just told me to go away and just try and get it straight and just um, strengthen my quad a bit um, before going into into surgery. Anyways, um, had my surgery. Then a week later, lockdown happened. So I went into lockdown we uh, we post op, and I couldn't like see any physio or doctors mm. and I was just doing this um this knee sort of on my own and I just like lost all motivation eh to be honest. I just stopped training, I just like pretty much just ate the whole lockdown. that's sort of my stress relief was eating um, and yeah i wasn't I wasn't in a good place i just I was turned to. You know, alcohol, just to like sort of get my mind off it, the pain. And also lockdown didn't happen because you're stuck at home Um, four weeks down. And then we went into level three and then it was, I think it was another two weeks. So that was like another six weeks. And then like my knee wasn't coming right. I thought it was going to be like my 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 other one, my first knee, because it wasn't the same knee that I did. It was the other knee. So I've done both knees. And I thought it was going to be pretty straightforward like my other knee. But, yeah, man, it, was, it wasn't it was the same, man. It just felt like my knee wasn't right. Anyways, we come out of lockdown and I come back into camp and I was, like, back at one, 130 clicks again. Um, and that was just over, I guess, just not right, like, mentally. Um, mm. I took that injury really, really bad just because, it just meant a lot to me to come home and play for my um, for the home team and I just thought like man, not another big injury, I have to go through another rehab and I just, and yeah, my mind wasn't right and my wife, like my poor wife was sort of taking all the hard hits, not physically but like, um you know, like she just could see that I was not right mentally so... Yeah, big ups to her because she really helped me through lockdown in that. But yeah, I come into camp one thirty clicks and It's like I just start all over again, you know. And um, back end of two thousand and like during that, so during that time, I was I was training and and my knee was it still wasn't right that year, and it, w- it would have kind of come up to the ninth month, which was in December. Oh, sorry. So after super, um, everyone had left to go to my Ten. Um, last year, and um, I decided to stay back in Auckland because I was signed with Tasman. They asked if um, if I wanted to go down Tasman do my rehab or stay up in Auckland and do my rehab. So I stayed up in Auckland and did my rehab. Um, and I was with the Blues trainer that that year. And just doing rehab by yourself, I actually did rehab with James Tucker because he did his knee too. So it was just me and him during my routine. But on some days it would just be me and um, and the trainer. So I had to put a lot of work in during my 10. But imagine just training by yourself, bro. Like uh, it's crazy. It was really hard for me, but I also like after that time where I was sort of like mentally not well, I t- I, t- I turned the I turned the tables around and I just thought like, okay, what can I learn from this? I got better over time, but then I then I thought back when I did my first knee like what I went through and what can, what can I do? What did I do back then? What can I, you know, use that and do do it then, which was last year. And when I did change my mindset around, I'm thinking, you know what? I wasn't, I was here before. I can do it again, you know? So that year when everyone was playing might of 10, I used that time to come back stronger. But then like also... My knee still wasn't feeling right. I couldn't fully extend it. And I was trying to tell um, my physios and my trainer, like, where well, something's not right with my knee. Anyways, I went to the doctor and he had um, taken like 60 mils out of fluid out of my knee. And he's like, "Frick, this is not right. So he decided to give me an, another MRI scan. And then, yeah, finally enough, we found something wrong. And again, so I had two operations that year, last year. One in March and then one in December, but it was, the December one wasn't as it wasn't an open knee; it was a keyhole. Um, they find that found a new um, scar tissue. Oh, sorry, another um, something formed around my ACL, which was called a cyclops legion or something. So they found that, so they have removed that in December. So that took me back another three months. So I was going into Blues preseason with another another injury, so missed the preseason. And then it took, like, so all up, it would have taken 15, 15 to 16 months to come back and play. So, yeah. Crazy. Crazy, man. Crazy. So beginning of this year, try to come back for some Blues games, but coaches thought I wasn't ready. So I just grinded away and then ended up playing some Club 40, going back to Massey Rugby Club, playing some Club 40. And then, bro, semi-final time, I got picked to play the blues which i'm pretty grateful for so yeah out of all the games decided to come they decided to pick me which was semi-final <laughs> it's just a semi-final and final but the two games i come back and play so now nah, man i'm pretty grateful to be you know, in that position
1: and then like you, you like funnily enough so you talk about earlier how you're playing for the landers and then you're shaping up to play the blues and then yeah. you get to the final this year and the final you're playing against is against the Highlanders.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Weird how that stuff just comes around full circle, bro. So um, like you already talked about how big a deal that was, not being able to kickstart your Blues career the way you would have liked to. But now, you know, it gets delayed 15, 16 months, but time comes and you and your boys are in a final, which is huge for Auckland because, you know, for the longest time, you guys have been the punching bag the butt of a lot of jokes to do with rugby in New Zealand. Yeah. But, you know, this is again, you know, off the back of what was a strong ish NZ comp, you know, like you probably didn't kick on or the boys yeah. didn't kick on the way they would have liked to. But then Trans Tasman, you guys clean up, you get a home final and you go on and win it, bro. Like, can you talk to me about like what that meant, not only for the team, but then also for someone like you who grew up supporting them and what it meant for the city?
0: Bro, um, yeah, there was something definitely special happening in the, at the Blues and I guess that, that all happens behind closed doors and um, the boys really um, come together and over the last two years I was there, I thought we played um, all good in the um, Aotearoa Campe, and I think that's what started it. Like, we just fell short, but that just made us even more hungry to go on and um, and win the trans Tasman. But we, we knew we, we were good enough to to win a day and i guess we, not to prove every everyone else wrong but just to ourselves that we were good enough to win and we did have the, the, the tools and, and the right team and the coaches to do it but for myself man to to be leaving the blues of a championship this is like you, 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 I, you can um talk about all you want but just the feeling and then like my kids growing up and just to tell them like you know i actually played in the final and Like 43 seconds of the final, but, (laughs) but, you know, I just to be a part of it. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's going to go go down as, you know, uh, books are in the history books, you know, winning a Trans Tasman Cup. But I'm just, yeah, lost for words. And just to leave the Blues with a championship, you know, it's like I sort of left a part of me with them. And I'm just grateful to, to just get that opportunity to play in that final and also just to be a part of that special team that we had we made some brothers for life there and some friends for life. And yeah, man, just the best feeling, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least I Got- can tick that box off.
1: <laughs> well, you could see it very, like on, on the faces of a, a lot of the, the boys after that game, just how much it meant to them. Yeah. But yeah, crazy view. And I think that's, yeah, I think that's probably like a wrap on like your career to date, really, obviously, like you're, you're you're waiting to get back into it with the turbos boys the back your yep. injury, but what, what what does the future hold for you, bro? Like, are you looking past Martin at all?
0: Um, like when I was after the blue season, that injury that I had, like the fifteen months of rehab, um, that sort of taught me to not look further ahead, um, of your career, like, cause you just never knew what could happen, but um. Just being in the in the now and like enjoying your rugby while you can, and you know you play some good footy, you're eventually gonna get picked up somewhere. Oh. So, so my mindset going into every season is, don't worry about what's gonna happen next, just worry about what's happening now. So, you know, for after after the Blues, I didn't have a mighty ten team, and then when Manoa 2 popped up, my mindset coming here was like enjoy my rugby here, and I'm um, try and leave something for this team, you know, where my goal down here is to sort of inject energy and it's a, a bit of culture here to help the boys to get to, you know, maybe a final. So my my mindset going into every every team is like enjoy the team. And when it happens, it happens, you know, if something pops up, if it's meant to happen, well, it's gonna happen. So I don't really like think about like, damn, I wanna, I wanna sign another super deal. Like that's something I can't control, mm. and um, some some I guess some players like try and focus on playing really well to get signed, but also like having that pressure on them. So now nah, for me, man, it's just enjoy my rugby wherever I'm playing, and then you know if I do get picked up somewhere, very grateful as a.
1: Yeah, bro. Improvement over achievement, I love it. Very, very yeah. good way to look at things. Um, all right. I guess we'll just uh, have to see what happens for. You moving forward, bro, and hopefully your boys can keep your season humming along. But before I let my guests go, bro, i like to end it on two notes. Um, The first of which is, can you take us through your game day routine?
0: On the day or the day before?
1: Both. Oh,
0: yeah. So day before, I like to sort of, so after captain's run, I just like chill with my boys, my family and my dinner. I like to eat like a lot of pasta and pizza just to get some carbs in. And then, mm-hmm. like, I like to jam the PlayStation the night before just to get my mind off rugby. So I jam with um, one of my boys in Australia, uh, Josh Alway. We just jam, like, COD or, like, whatever game that we're jamming. But that, like, helps me just to relax a bit and just, like, spit a few yarns with the boys. And it's pretty cracker-pey, but that helps me just to relax. And then I um, have a bit of chocolate, eh? Chocolate before, the night before the game. <laughs> and What's, then, the flavor, my... bro? What's the
1: flavour, What's the flavour? Oh, I
0: like the Black Forest Day. Eh? Can't go wrong with Black Forest, man.
1: Yeah,
0: um, and then, yeah, if it depends like what time the game is, if it's an early game, I'll just have breakfast early, but then I don't. If it's a two o'clock game, I, I don't really have lunch. So I have a late breakfast, like a brunch, but a pretty, pretty big one. And then I'll just like, when and have lunch, I'll just like snack. Um, but if it's like a seven o'clock game, I'll have a big breakfast and then some lunch and then I won't have pre-match meal just because I don't like going into the game feeling quite heavy and then I just like if it's a late game I just chill the whole day try not to think about the game and either go for a walk with my family or I just chill at home listen to some music or, or watch some movies I like to watch a movie before even if uh, if, if I go away on the game I'll just chill in, the hotel, in my room and just watch a movie before the game but when it comes closer to the to the game I'll just turn my device off and then I'll just chill and then um, I like to, like, pray or listen to, like, gospel music because I am uh, believe in my faith. So I just, you know, chill with God and just pray, um, help through my game and then, um, yeah, man, and then when it's time to head to the grounds, I just lock in, man. I listen to my music and then she's all okay from there.
1: Yeah, bro. Left boot, right boot? Any suppositions?
0: Nah, I- nah, <laughs> I' didn't, I don't really do that stuff, but I always like to um, like strap my wrist and then remind myself who I play for on, on my wrist. So obviously for for God and then also my family, a big big thing for me. So that's sort of my game routine is just yeah reminding myself who I play for and also just to enjoy the game.
1: I think it is. All right, yeah. last segment. 10 in the bin so there's 10 questions because 10 yep. answers all right number one what's your go-to vessel at a pre-drinks on a night out
0: oh uh, i like to drink red wine
1: on a night out yeah. true <laughs> <laughs> what
0: a red wine guy <laughs> uh, no nah, um white
1: yeah they're always easy what yes. flavor
0: Oh, actually, I've come up with a, a new drink. as Club Settlers Tropical. Mm. I'm not a big drinker. I just like cash, not like, so, just social drinks. So I'm a lightweight.
1: <laughs> me <and laughs> you both, bro. Me and you both. All right. Who's the most notable coach's pet you've been around? Tom
0: Robinson.
1: Bro, he seems like the easiest going guy, bro. How's that the case?
0: <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding, man. nah, I don't know, hey. Can I pass that question?
1: Yeah, bro. Yeah, easy as. Uh who was your idol growing up? Kevin them. Did, did you did you have much to do with him like with your time at the blues? Yeah.
0: Oh not at the blues, but um there was just like one time I did like a throwing uh a front row mm-hmm. thing and he was there and I was like starstruck. So over the years I got to know him, so yeah.
1: I remember the when
0: they followed eh? me on Instagram, I was like,
1: "Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, what's your must do on a day off?
0: Golf. Yeah. yeah. I picked it yeah. up during rehab.
1: What's your handicap? So that help
0: me. Uh, my boys will other- probably laugh at me when I say this, but I actually don't have a handicap because I haven't been giving my scorecards in. <laughs> but i just play for fun bro i i just play for the like you know just for fun but um yeah. i am considering i am considering signing up to a, a golf club at um back at home i'm like doing membership back at home so so next year i'll, I'll eat in there next year bro i'll
1: <laughs> promise to taste it up all right uh um, yeah. what's your favorite
0: cheat meal bro can't go wrong with a pie eh? steak and cheese pie man
1: yeah bro, bakery hunt yeah bro that's, that's probably one of my bro dangerous there's a place in Wellies bro like after town it's like a bakery, bakery? that's open yeah bro and it pops off um, like what, what
0: what bakery is it I'm pretty keen to come and test it out there.
1: Eh? well it's called it's just called Courtney Place Bakery okay, okay yeah, bro. I'll,
0: I'll hold that against you if I come and I'll let you know what, what I think <laughs>
1: oh, alright uh, if you weren't a rugby player and if you weren't a builder yeah. What would you be? Yeah, uh, um,
0: a youth worker. I like helping out young people.
1: Nice, bro. We need more people like you. Uh, who's Who's the cheapest teammate you've been around? Cheapest. Yeah, bro. Machillea.
0: <laughs> you hit it here first, baby.
1: <laughs> Was it coffees all around? Oh
0: yeah, man. <laughs> nah. When it is time for him to shout, he he's alright. But yeah, deep pocket, short arms. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, bro, everyone knows one. Um, who's an artist, a song, or even a podcast, bro, that you're listening to at the moment that you could recommend?
0: Hmm, your one. <laughs> <laughs> nah, <laughs> um, an artist, um. Torrin Wells, he's a Christian singer. He he has some mean songs. Torrin Wells, yeah.
1: All right. Maverick Maverick
0: City. Maverick City. That's another good one.
1: Got it. Uh, Who's the biggest grub you've played with and against? (laughs) Um,
0: Frick, what's his name? We played him yesterday. Oh, Frick. I forgot. But there one guy I haven't played against, and I love seeing him do, do the dirty work is Danko's. <laughs>
1: uh, that fella's notorious, bro. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Last sentence, Kaz. all you gotta do is finish it for me. Saturdays are for the boys! <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh bro, how yeah. good. Perfect way to end this on. Oh, uh, but like I said at the top of this podcast, bro, i um, very, very grateful for your time. Very grateful for your story. It's real cool to talk to fellas like you who aren't the ones who've gone on to have like the Dan Carter lifestyle. You've had to like actually slave away for your opportunity. Um, yeah. And yeah. I wish you nothing but the best with your future, bro. Um, and hopefully it's not too long before we see you back on the paddock for the turbos.
0: Yeah, thanks, brother. Thanks for your time, man. Thank you for uh, giving us a platform to share our story and also just to help those that are the same position as us and honestly couldn't um say this in a better week but mental health um awareness week man if you guys are even feeling shit man it's all good to feel shit and for these people out there reach out to them and your story will save someone so don't don't forget to, to share your story and also um just to be yourself man uh, thank you for the opportunity brother
1: nah bro you're the man right i'll catch you up thanks bro yo it's your boat.